All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome. And uh, once again, we are here. We are live. Well, we're alive, I should say. Thanks once again to Brent Roberts, uh, Symmetric on the forums, and of course Gamertag for the incredible music you hear in the opening. And of course in the background throughout these podcasts, he's doing a great job. And he plans on improving, if you can believe it. Can't get better than this. Today, we are featuring with you, as always, Adam DeLiva. This is Adam, variation on the forums, back from PAX. <laughs> and Stephen Cameron. Stephen Cameron, camshaft, all that good stuff. And I'm not going to say that stuff that Adam said last week about <laughs> I'm the only loving person in the world or whatever. Uh, the fan mail we've gotten in because yep. of him is fantastic. <laughs> of course, I am Ken Lafreniere, Alex1138. And, I hope. Uh, we're back again with our podcast, our little rubber room to the asylum. We've had a lot of different uh, reviews hitting the board, but we need to talk about Mafia 2. Adam's had a chance to look at this. Fill us in, Adam. Yeah, so uh, hopefully Mafia 2 will be on the front page pretty soon so you can read it, but uh, the quick lowdown is... So this takes place after part one. It's done by the same guys, but the development company has switched names. So to be honest, I was kind of nervous about doing it just because I wasn't a big fan of the first one and the whole 50s, 60s era and stuff like that just isn't my thing. But I quite enjoyed it. It's it's an open world-ish game, kind of like GTA where you drive around mission to mission and stuff. But the, the big difference in Mafia 2 is that it's completely story driven. So... The problem I have playing Grand Theft Auto and games like that is I'll do a mission or two and then I'll get distracted and do absolutely nothing for a couple hours just goofing around. Now, in Mafia 2, you can drive around in this world, but there is nothing to do in it really. I mean, you can do these odd missions here or there to kind of make some money, but because there's so little to do, that's how it pushes you to the story. So, I mean, some people are going to fault it to that, but I really liked it because it's really streamlined the story and kept you focused on what you're actually supposed to do rather than just running amok for, you know, a couple hours. You know, that's, that's a really good point. A lot of the more successful uh, open sandbox type uh, games are really like the Red Dead, the GTA, really have those side missions that take you all over the place. Well, like Spider-Man yeah. did for one... Uh, Spider-Man Absolutely. 3 did that. It drove you all over the place and you got sort of sidetracked with all this stuff, you know. And that's kind of a problem because a, quite a lot of people have never beat Grand Theft Auto or Red Dead or whatever for the actual story campaign. So I kind of liked it in that respect that it pushed me to keep going in the story. And the voice acting is simply amazing. And the narrative and the way they tell the story is really, really well done. And I actually really enjoyed it. So would you suggest this to somebody new getting into that sort of genre, or is this more for the uh, hardcore yeah, fan? Yeah, I mean, as long as you're going in knowing that it's not GTA, it's a story-driven version of that kind of gameplay, the problem with that is that when you're done the game, there's nothing else to do afterwards. So as long as you kind of know that, you'll be fine. Do you, I mean, this of course is the second incarnation, do you see them doing a third? Oh yeah, it's possible. I mean, uh, the part two isn't the same guy from part one, obviously. I mean, I'm not going to ruin the ending of one, but <laughs> it's, it's a completely different guy. So, I mean, and it's based on the mafia. So, I mean, there's unlimited potential for, you know, side quest characters and all the different stuff. And, I mean, the DLC coming out for it is even a different guy as well. So, 
Fantastic. Well, thank you, Adam. Appreciate it. Looking forward to reading it on the board. Now, of course, keeping in line with the whole mafia topic, uh, Cam, you had a chance to go to L.A. I did. It was a lot of fun. It was the quickest L.A. trip I've ever taken in my entire life. Why in the world would they let you go to L.A.? What were you doing there? Call of Duty. Black Ops multiplayer event. It was surprisingly crowded with a lot of people. (laughs) Surprisingly. And uh, basically took off at 3 o'clock in the morning from the boonies of New Liskard. Made it in L.A. about noon Pacific time and then waited about five hours till the actual event and the shuttles were going to the, uh, what was it, the Los Angeles or the California Space, not Space, Science Center, sorry. And they had the whole event there. They must have cleared out the whole thing. And outside they had a DJ and had a whole bunch of people there. And uh, I'll get to the actual game stuff in a minute, but I could have sworn I seen the kid from Hung there outside. It was the kid from <laughs> Hung. The, 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 the main character's son. I'm, I'm sure I'm, he's going to love hearing that he's referring he to as the kid to from Hung. <laughs> the kid from Hung. I have no idea. And the actor, Chris Marquette, was there. The guy from Fanboys and Girl Next Door. Right. Yep. Something like that. I think it was the name awesome. of that other movie. He was there, and I was like, hey, I've seen that guy before. Now, at the time, I had no idea that his name was Chris Marquette. But I said, I knew that kid from somewhere. So anyways, get in the event. I'll be honest with you. Treyarch has stepped up. They had big shoes to fill for this multiplayer stuff. If people like Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, they're going to love Black Ops. It's that simple. They've come up with new game modes. Basically, there was one that I was uh, playing was uh, one in the chamber. You get one bullet, and you run around with a knife. And if you kill the dude with a bullet, you steal his bullet. If you stab somebody as they're walking by, whatever, you get their bullet. So you get to shoot one other bullet. And you run around until there's nobody left. Basically, that's it. You get three lives. Wow. You blow those three lives, you're done. And what's also cool, they've introduced other gaming modes that I won't jump into too much. But they have a wagering system where basically you get COD points or some type of currency... And I think they're hinting at that being some sort of co-op. Now, I went over there. The whole time I spent was about two hours, which I didn't gather a lot of information. But from what I was able to gather, you get COD points by playing and playing and playing. And you can wager that with your team and say, look, we're going to wager 20,000 COD points or something. And you bet who's going to win the death match. And whoever wins basically gets the money from the other people. Thus, if you lose, the money comes out of your pocket and goes to the other team and they keep getting richer and richer, and then from there you can go buy emblems and camouflage stuff and a bunch of gear and different things for your character. Did you get to see every aspect of the multiplayer or just a, a segment of it? Because as I understand... I think I just saw a segment. Um, I understand the multiplayer on this is, is huge, way beyond what we've seen in the past. I believe so. I mean, what I saw, I saw one in the chamber, and I also saw this other game mode... It, it was an interesting game mode where basically people were running around shooting each other, obviously. But from from just standing outside watching these people, the lineups were huge on these, these units. Basically, I had to wait 10 minutes to start playing. The popularity of this game is insane. Even from a select media thing, the amount of people that were there was astounding. <laughs> you know, so uh, there's also a theater mode. So you can go in and pick out cheaters and stuff like that. So you can, it'll, it's like a, a Halo's recording feature, same idea. 
So there's that aspect added to it. They spoke nothing about single player. Zero. You asked, the PR person came in and escorted your butt out the door, basically. <laughs> you, you didn't ask those questions. So I was like, okay, whatever. And uh, I'm hoping to see the single player myself. But from what I understand of the whole thing, Treyarch has listened to the community a lot. I've also recorded uh, some interview questions with the community manager over at Treyarch. All of your traditional game modes, which you're going to be able to see in there, uh, have returns. So you have your team death matches, demolition, capture the flag, domination, all that good stuff. Um, but the wager matches is really where, you know, it's built around this new economy. And so COD points are also such a fundamental brand new introduction to to the to, to multiplayer that it's, it's really important to uh, to, to uh, for, for players to grasp the importance of it so um, <clears throat> I've been reading Twitter even uh, all through all through that presentation and already and there's already some uh, uh, misunderstandings about what cod points are so we can rely on you guys to clear the water uh, <clears throat> cod points do uh, unlock weapons. You do need to buy weapons and upgrades, attachments, face paints, camos, uh, whatever whatever you want to spend it on, really. Uh, everything's built in this economy. In your presentation and stuff, you've got like, all these kind of super weapons in the supply crates now, and obviously yes. uh, gambling stuff and all this. Has, has this game been more difficult to balance than past games? Absolutely. This is definitely the most difficult to balance, and there's, um, there's some things that... that uh, a lot of things that contribute to that. So, of course, the earn rate, the spend rate of your of your current uh, of your COD points and of your, uh, of course, your XP. That's always a, a tough thing to balance out. Um, with all these new things that we're adding that you can purchase and buy, like you, you always have to, to balance not only the the weapons and the perks against each other, but you also have to balance them now when when you consider how much they're going to cost and, and how many COD points you have to spend. Um, so yes, it's, it's been a much more difficult game to, to balance, but um, you know the, the team really stepped to the plate up front. Uh, almost two years ago now, they refocused all of their efforts. Mark Lamy in the presentation talked a little bit about retooling that studio and the development processes at Treyarch. But one of those was having every developer focus exclusively on Call of Duty after we made World of War. So now we've, you know, that's allowed us to have a dedicated single-player team working on that and a dedicated multiplayer team working on MP since day one. And they haven't had to be distracted by other things, so it's really allowed our MP team the resources to make more than we've ever made before, but also really, you know, polish and balance it uh, to the degree that we felt was necessary. Really added a lot to the, to, uh, the series with this game. Is there anything that you, you took out from previous games that you thought perhaps didn't work or you, you thought would improve the, the, uh, the, the game but with a removal? Yeah, so there's definitely, uh, there's definitely a lot of things. We, we listen to the community, we know what they like and dislike. Um, we know uh, they're very vocal, they, they love to tell us what they hate, uh, they also like <laughs> to tell us what they love. Um, one uh, thing that's removed is uh, a commando, no more commando or commando pro, it's not a perk anymore. Um, instead, what we do is we replace that with, there we go, replace that with your ballistic knife. So your ballistic knife, uh, when you have it equipped, you can either shoot it with your right, uh, with your right trigger, it'll, it'll shoot the knife blade out. Uh, or if you actually just want a knife with it, you'll get that extra lunge. So we, we understand that, that there are still players, believe it or not, who love to, to lunge with, uh, you know, have, love that. they love to run around and be the knife in guy. There's actually somebody on the Xbox 360, his gamertag is only use knife, and that's all he does is he runs around and uses his 
knife. Yeah. And so uh, it, it doesn't get a single kill with a gun. So there's players who like that style. So we, you know, we needed to find a happy medium. So you can't use it. Your standard knife, your standard uh, melee knife, will always be the, the standard, uh, you know, lunge action. This thing will give you extra distance. If you really want. Can you talk a little bit, sorry, about the contracts, the time-limited challenges, and how those fit into. Sure. So these are contracts, and this is another thing that they kind of glossed over, and I really wanted to drive home the point that these are dynamic. We can week by week, month by month, whatever we deem necessary, rotate these out. We can introduce new contracts to the, to the community and put new prices on them. We can uh, remove contracts and, and, and sort of you know, rotate them out so players aren't always getting the same contracts every time. So that's uh, pretty core to this feature. They're broken out, like, uh, like uh, David said during the presentation, into three categories. Uh, one that's going to be more you know, uh, kills-based, killstreak-based, and then specialist. So um, they're going to cost money. And it's sort of like an investment to, uh, you get a return on investment. So they're going to cost COD points, you're going to get COD points back. And uh, so for Tegos, for example, it costs you 50 COD points. Uh, it lasts for an hour and 20 minutes of uh, time alive in game. And, uh, and you have to steal an enemy grant. All right. If you don't accomplish that within the time limit, it's going to expire. And you're going to lose your 50 COD points that you invested. But if you complete it, you're going to get 250 back. Some will reward you with XP as well as COD points. So you can choose the ones based on, you know, maybe, maybe you have enough money, maybe you've bought pretty much everything you want in this tier, and you really are saving up for when those next tier of weapons and, and uh, unlocks open up for you. So, uh, you know, the, the contracts are another way for you to uh, expedite your route, pick your own path, decide your own fate, uh, play the game how you want to play it. And it's, again, another another thing to spend this money on, this, this really cool form, new form of currency in the game. You know, how many um, maps does it look like it'll launch with ballpark ish or if you can say? Uh, we're not, uh, we're still not 100% sure. We're still working on things. Things, uh, uh, it's a real thing. Things always get cut. We wouldn't want to commit to a number and then wind up having a cut level and have all the hate that comes out on the, on the forums. But we'll, uh, it, it'll be plenty of maps, a, a wide variety of levels featuring snow, jungle, urban, you know, all, all the different kinds of a player remote. Any like tiny, tiny free for all maps or remakes or homage maps? Uh, there, there, there are. Uh, I don't think any remakes. Every every level is a brand new level uh, for Black Ops. It, there are different size maps. There's smaller maps. There's larger maps. Uh, like I said, it's all part of the variety. We want to provide a little bit of something for everybody. And these are chunks of the single player maps. Uh, you know, actually, no. Every map, multiplayer map is completely authentic to multiplayer and original. Um, actually, there are some multiplayer levels that w they take chunks of multiplayer levels and put it into single player campaign because you know that's actually a, a core focus of the MP team is to make sure that you know the the, the battle dis the, the the combat distances the uh, you know whatever their, their battle spaces are they have to make sure that those are all very you know uh, fast and, and well balanced and stuff and that plays out well for single player as well whether you're fighting AI or you're fighting uh, other players so the single player team can obviously saw value in creating some battle spaces around some of the multiplayer stuff. I mean your, your games are clearly deeply shaped by the community Yes. Um, are there any new features in Black Ops that you're a bit nervous about how they'll react to those? Um, 
that perhaps you've kind of kind of bet bet the farm a little bit or, or taken a risk on on adding in terms of uh, the reaction. I mean, everything's sort of a risk for sure. Um, nothing that we're too worried about, like like diving to prone again. We knew what the the concern was going to be about the whole like drop shotting, and so we addressed it up front by making sure that there's sort of this you know recover that you have to take to it. So it really should only be used for um, for evading. When you hopefully you get a chance to play tonight, you're going to see that when you take fire and you sort of dive to prone, it's like it does add to that immersion. It makes you feel like that's what saved me was the fact that I jumped out of the way and I got behind cover. So um, it feels good when you use it right, and uh, it just feels weird if you use it wrong aggressively, and so people just won't do that. Um, uh, everything, of course, like introducing currency and like the COD points, big risk. Uh, but it, again, it's something that we, of course, spend an enormous amount of development time putting together, balancing, making sure that it's right. And, uh, and you know, there's definitely something, there's definitely more rewarding when you, when you're the one who bought something, where something is yours because you paid for it with your own hard-earned cash, whether you earned it in wager match or you earned it in, uh, online. So it's, it's fair to say then that you're uh, nervous about those, but you're confident that you put the effort in. Oh, yeah, and, and nothing that we put in here was just, you know, quick without... Uh, Without an extensive amount of, of consideration, um, everything you know, we do focus group testing. We we talk to the community. I don't know if you saw there. We had a bunch of community reps uh, that we brought out uh, on, a, on a number of occasions, um, and they were here tonight. They're out there playing right now. They're in the theater, um, and these are just normal community members who run blogs and they and they you know they tweet a lot and, and they're on Facebook pages and stuff and they run their own community sites. And these are people who are so passionate about the game and we're always communicating with them, we're always playing our games and other games with them to see what they like and dislike and, and all of that um, influences us. I think I think all these different factors, all these different uh, inspirations that we took and drew on, that's what created Black Ops. And, you know, it's not necessarily just our game with risks that we took, it's 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 the community's game. Well, I have one, one more, kind of last one. Sure. Um, I guess it's a two-parter. One is their multiplayer beta, and two, uh, with the last Call of Duty game, there was a lot of problems, you know, that were found by having millions of people play. Right. Is there a, is there an improved system um, in place for you guys to work with Microsoft, Sony, or whatever? I mean, to actually, all right, we've acknowledged this bug, to do it faster, you know? Right, right, right. So that's actually why we're doing an internal beta right now. So uh, we are doing an internal beta with all sorts of Activision uh, studios and, and, and Activision itself. Uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. Actually probably more like thousands at this point of, of people who are participating in our beta. Uh, and keeping it internal was actually, it, it's, it's very helpful for us. It allows us to iterate uh, a lot faster on our builds. So if we want to change something, we can easily push a new build out to anybody in, in the company who just want to use the dev kits. And they can just download a new build like that. And, uh, and anything that we just tested, they can now play. And Call of Duty is such this big mainstream thing that everybody playing it. Everybody, it, it basically, Activision plays this game. So uh, it's a great form of beta. That's the only form of beta we're planning at the moment. Uh, there was a lot of misconceptions and confusions and misleading Google ads that suggested we were launching a public beta tonight. That's not happening. Uh, so, so the beta is internal only? It is internal only, correct. Unlike just you know, building what they thought it was. They went to the forums and everything else. So we'll see if if they've really listened or not. You know, some people they'll say that and they don't really listen and stuff. The vibe was really good over there. I was asking different people what they thought uh, about the whole thing and nobody had anything bad to say, which was awesome. Usually you get a few people go, oh, that sucks and whatever. But this was really positive, which was really good. 
Adam, do you think the loss of Infinity Ward and all that drama that's taking place is going to impact this title at the end of the day? Uh, it's yes and no. I mean, me personally, I wasn't going to buy the game because of the whole thing, and I've just Treyarch's version I was never a fan of. And then they went and made the Prestige Edition with the RC car, and now I have to buy it for 150 bucks. Um, Adam is the Prestige Collector's Edition, kind of like symmetric, much they, like they love collecting that stuff. Much like himself, it's Prestige. I mean, come um, on. I I don't think it's going to have a big thing on sales because it's not a modern warfare. I, it's Call of Duty, yes, but it's not a. Would modern you believe that pre-orders have outsold the pre-orders on Modern Warfare 2 already? Wow. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know, I mean, these guys have large, like I was saying earlier, they got big shoes to fill, because everybody's Infinity Ward, Infinity Ward, uh, the, re the reality is, is that these guys exchange technology that a lot of the other companies took credit for, like that chopper scene in Modern Warfare 2, where you were shooting down, Treyarch developed that, not Infinity Ward, apparently, I was told that for a straight from the horse's mouth. And it's stuff like that that you get the other company going, hey, look, our game rocks, and they really didn't develop that. And, you know, I, I think Treyarch's got a handle on this, in my opinion. Well, well, let's face it, Steve. I mean, you've been to these other events in the past. You oh, were yeah. there You were there hands-on with COD. Mm -hmm. uh, what's the reception? Is it, is it increased? Is it the same? Is it mellow? These guys have managed... Like It's like what Adam was saying. A lot of people were like, Treyarch, yeah... You know, uh, World at War was okay, but not marvelous. From what I was hearing over there, from a lot of different people, they've stepped up to the plate. They've delivered. At the end of the day, the people going in the stores and buying it, they don't care about the whole Infinity Ward debacle. They, they probably don't even know about it. Just want a good um, Call of Duty game. That's yeah, cool. they're they're going to buy Call of Duty. That's as simple as that. Right. I don't think people have anything to worry about. Now, I've yet to see single player where that's where I my love lies, you know, is the single player aspect. And I was told that, hold on to your hat, man, you're in for a surprise. I get a positive vibe from Treyarch. I met a few of the guys, and they're really nice guys, and you know, and I think... Uh, I think they're going to pull it off. It's that simple. Well, again, I mean, at the end of the day, it's going to be the numbers and the volume that, that really speaks to the success. And, of course, we've got three guys right here that are going to be buying it. Uh, I think oh, yeah. it's still going to do well, and, and we'll have to see what the turnout is from that. Yep. Awesome. Now, um, Stephen and I actually had the opportunity last week, before his trip to L.A., to spend a little time in uh, Toronto, at Fan Expo, and Fan Expo is an annual event uh, taking in uh, all different uh, subcultures of nerdum from uh, comic books, anime, uh, sci-fi, <laughs> there is virtually something for everybody at this event. Uh, Steve, I'm going to let you speak to it first. Uh, what did you think? Well, it was my first time. I think, Ken, you've been there a couple more times than yep. me. Uh, my first time is I didn't know what to expect, uh, but if I were to come away with a description of this show, it's probably a mini Comic-Con. I've never been to Comic-Con. I've done a lot of reading on Comic-Con, but it, this is kind of like a mini Comic-Con. You've got the fans dressing up, and you've got the movie industry doing certain things, and the comic book industry doing certain things, and uh, there was all kinds of celebrities there. I saw Stan Lee from afar. I saw... Uh, Erden is Borgnine with the SpongeBob SquarePants. Uh, he plays Merman. 
guys must be 70 or 80 years old at least. Adam West was there and a few other people. It was pretty awesome. I mean, there's a lot of stuff for sale, which I didn't flock to, but uh, I, overall, I liked it. it. My family was there, so it was kind of like a family thing, too. And it was awesome. And I had a good time. Yeah, you know, as I understand, this year saw well over 60,000 people in attendance. Wow. Now, uh, which is fantastic numbers. It's hard to imagine, but this whole event started off so many years ago with so many great people and um, drew from different venues, but really was a, a cult kind of uptake at first. There was, uh, I believe, a couple thousand people for years. And now to see 60,000 people showing up, and I mean, Stephen can speak to this, we saw so many different uh, characters, and by that I don't just mean weirdos, I mean people that, <laughs> that, <too. laughs> people that, that spend an incredible amount of time and, and energy and, and spirit getting into oh. the mode, making incredible costumes. I saw, of course, the, the 501st Star Wars group was there, the Canadian garrison, even some from the States. But, I mean, that fully, was really cool. fully functioning and remote R2-D2 units that were just amazing. That whole crew had a bunch of stormtroopers, and they had a tall Darth Vader fellow, I might add. The whole nine yards, and they had... Who was the, 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 the guy in the one mask he would whisper to the kids, join the dark side? Yeah, that was... Uh, what was the name of the character? That was from the uh, Old Republic series. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they, he they was really, whispering, "Come to the dark side." My son's like, "Huh? What? What?" <laughs> they covered the bases, and I mean, I'm a Star Wars fan, so I I get a lot of it. But what's interesting is to see all of the other cultures represented. I mean, the the anime characters that I have no idea who they are, but people obviously spending thousands of dollars on some of oh, these. Yeah. The fans are incredible, and and I really think the organizing committee for Fan Expo know what they're doing. I think it's unfortunate that they don't have an even bigger venue because I'll tell you, 60,000 <laughs> people into that venue is, is really tight. The the Saturday oh, afternoon, yeah. they actually uh, limited access because there oh, was yeah. too many people. You know what made my son's day, and Ken saw this firsthand, is this, this guy came along. He had the most authentic Spider-Man costume right. I had ever seen in my life. It was from the movies, you know, with the rubber black webbing on the suit and it was it was from the movie basically i don't know where he got it it, it looked awesome my son thought that man was the real spider-man <laughs> he hit the roof man he was like it was so awesome and i think the day before uh this guy he was dressed up like superman he was one strong bugger too he, he lifted my son with one arm my son was being raised and had the biggest smile on his face it was awesome People take the time to do this stuff and interact with the kids. Like Ken's uh, daughter took a picture with just about everybody. But the people never once said, no, go away, kid. Not a single one said that. They always said, yeah, sure. Put whatever they were doing down, and that was it. It was That's pretty, right. pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, it's it's fantastic to see, and I mean, if uh, if you haven't attended one of these events, and especially, I mean, more exclusively Fan Expo, take the opportunity. It's on every year. It's usually the last uh, weekend in August. It's a great time. They get 
big name hotels on board to give great discounts. We were at the uh, higher Regency uh, under 150 bucks a night. I mean, can't beat it for downtown Toronto. We were literally three short blocks away from oh, the yeah. We're able to yep. walk down, get right in. It was fantastic. Uh, Talk a bit about the vendors that were there, Ken. Those were more about what you're used to a little more, like Silver Snail was there. Absolutely. I mean, the retail is is definitely a big part of this. We're still in Canada. We like to spend our money and, and have people spend money on us. So, yeah, we definitely had Silver Snail, Planet X was there, all kinds of different uh, comic book. I mean, uh, there was huge areas that were just the comic book boxes. You flip through, find the one you want, and away you go. And oh, yeah. Very crowded. I mean, on top of that, all the big names were there. Hasbro, Marvel, DC, Tron had a gigantic booth. Um, yeah. Steve and I actually got to go in and see. It was good 10 minutes of footage in 3D on the nice big screen. And I'll tell you, Tron's... Of Tron Legacy, yeah. Tron's going to be a hit. It was fantastic. I was blown away. Well, basically, uh, I didn't expect that to be that good. To say, to tell you I agree. Truth, I know? agree. I really thought it was going to be a fans movie, but it's not. It's it's really got a lot for even new people coming into it. Xbox, of course, had a presence there. They're definitely hard pressed to get uh, substantial floor space, but they did have Halo Reach. Um, multiplayer area and they had Connect showcased so they were doing their part and it was great to see them there and the lineups were huge for those. What was the name of that actor guy that was sitting in front of the uh, the Tron thing the, the actor fellow that was there yeah Bruce um, Box Lightner that guy was up there and after all the, he's making a return to this movie in the Tron world they were buddies Going through the world of Tron, and I think he was a real-world cop, wasn't he? Oh, he was. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, he, he was the cop in the real world. So he's going to make a return, and I think it's going to be awesome. The the soundtrack too of Tron Legacy is done by Daft Punk. It's going to be awesome, dude. I think in December is going to be an awesome Tron month. Yeah, you know. I agree. Now, as well, not to upset anybody that did go to San Diego Comic Con or or went down to Orlando to Celebration Five. But I was able to get all of those exclusives, quote unquote, um, from Hasbro for substantially less money. So um, <clears throat> anybody that went out and uh, bought uh, some of these exclusives for thirty, forty, and even the Galactus, which was eighty-nine bucks, uh, I got it everything for at least thirty percent less. So sorry about that, folks. If you want to get it cheap, what's that? You got me one as well, right? Well, yeah, I've got it sitting in my car. I'm going to wait till you come by next weekend. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was a good time, and uh, if you have a chance, definitely check it out. It's worth once in your life to go. It's a very unique experience, in my opinion, Fan Expo. But they, they do so much, so many different things there. They got the movie showings and all this geek stuff. I picked up a RoboCop figurine and stuff like that, and I mean... Now, of course, we can't leave Adam out of the mix for all of these different events. And Adam, not to be outdone, had to go and venture to PAX West. Uh, hey, well, why don't you had to go to E3, so I had to go to one of them. Well, uh, Steve went to E3. I don't go till next year. Ah, uh, well. Man, okay, fill us in. <laughs> no, PAX is great. It's I, I think this is my like sixth in a row or whatever. So I mean, it's something new. Oh, you're next door, dude. Yeah, I mean, it's it, didn't you just get for me. didn't you just get back shortly? A little yeah, while ago, I, I got back from something. I don't know. I'm always out the door. 
no, it was good. There was a lot of really cool stuff. Some stuff I saw that I didn't think I'd be excited for. Um, like what? Um, got to do some hands-on with Dragon Age 2. Looks amazing. Uh, it was a very early build, but just you can tell that they've uh, they've read all the forums. They've read, you know, what people like, didn't like, and stuff like that. And the way they even said it is, when you push a button, something awesome happens. And it that's <laughs> what happens. Uh, it's cool. very cool. Changing the way the story is told and everything. So that was really cool. Seeing Portal 2 was probably the funniest thing I saw. Dude, that is awesome. I saw that at E3. It was pretty cool. The, the new thing they showed us and everything was was pretty awesome. They showed the, the two co-op characters. Oh, you did see that. Oh. And stuff, so. Funny enough, uh, so as you've seen online, uh, Duke Nukem was there. Nice. Duke. Now, now, now let, let's get this straight to everybody out there so there's no question. Duke Nukem wasn't actually there. It wasn't a standee. It wasn't a video. <laughs> it was a what exactly? It was playable. Nice. It exists. Doubting uh, Thomas here. <laughs> I don't even want to see it. They've said next year it is coming out. Um, yes, insert your jokes here. But from what they showed, <laughs> it looked really cool. And there was lineups all three days that I... The lineups were hours long. It was ridiculous. So people still want to see it and still... <laughs> still I like wanted to do. see it when I was not married and had no kids. Back right. in 1995, yeah, the demo the demo starts with you going in a urinal, so it's it's very Duke uh, <laughs> humor. Definitely going to be a, a big must see. What did you up. see? Did you see like a video that we're playing outside of the booth, or did they, no, was, some guy was all, you had out of there to see anything? But really? you got hands on with it, which was really cool. Wow! Wow! That that almost sounds too good to be true, huh, Ken? <laughs> you know what? It really does. I mean, you're saying this, and it really sounds like a conversation I've had a million times, except, of course, with the hands-on. It's always been, yeah, yeah, you know, in, in two weeks, we're going to see video, and that two weeks comes, and it's canceled. Well, the yeah, last I, thing I saw, do you guys remember the barbell video that they had? Yeah, absolutely. That yep. was the last thing I saw before all of this. And then 2K puts out a press release just before PAX, the day before PAX, that, hey, Duke Nukem... And basically, they sent a press release with an attachment to their FTP. And in there, there was two RAR files. <laughs> One was password protected. So here I am frantically emailing these people, go, give me the password! And then the other one was a fact sheet, was which was easily uncompressed. And I'm, I'm dying to see the screenshot. And all it was, it was <laughs> him holding the pig head. And there was about five variations of that. And I'm like, oh, give me real screenshots, you know. I was hoping that they would have real screenshots. So, <laughs> yeah, you go well, online, yeah, you can see some video of, of what the demo and stuff looked like, and it, it it's pretty cool. So, I mean, it's... Uh, you were talking to people <clears throat> on the floor that, that did get hands-on, is that right? Yes, yeah. Now, and, and what did they come back? Did they come back to you telling, you know what, it's like I remember, or is it as good as they hoped? Uh, a bit of both. I mean, like I said, it's... It still feels like Duke Nukem. Uh, it's got the signature voice. It's got the the gameplay. It, it looks really good. Uh, Gearbox they they bought the rights to to put it out now. So I mean, obviously they're serious about it. So it, it does is. look like it's going to happen. I mean, obviously we'll wait and see because we've had this conversation <laughs> who knows how many times over the past you know fifteen years. But 
Well, you've heard it here. You've heard it here, folks. XboxAddict.com. Adam DeLiva variation guarantees a Duke Nukem <laughs> game in 2011. You have a mob at your house. <laughs> you said it was coming out. You're not. You lie. Now, uh, speaking about titles that, that are coming and that everybody's looking forward to, fill us in on some news on Batman Arkham City. Our good news people on XBA posted up a news post about that Arkham City, the game, is going to be five times larger than Arkham Asylum was, territory-wise. And uh, I went back and forth with uh, uh, Brent, uh, Symmetric, on what was actually lacking in the last game, and I said, you know what was missing in that game was the lack of being on top of a skyscraper, looking down at the city and jumping off the side of the building. It didn't really have that a lot of height moment. It had a few, but not a lot. That's a good so, point, yeah. Uh, but other than that, I mean, I really, really enjoyed Arkham Asylum when it came out, and I hope Arkham City lives up to that. I don't know if they should kill it with co-op and a bunch of multiplayer stuff, but uh, as a whole, well, I don't know what you guys thought of the last title, but um, it's shaping up pretty good. I I did the review for the first game and it's done by the same people so they've mm. they've won my trust so I'm gonna have no problem getting it day one. Now I know for me one of the one of the things that kind of put me on uh, kind of my heels at first was hearing an announcement of a second game so early on. I was skeptical to say the least, but now I, I've seen this video that's come out of a uh, a secret area and it actually shows. Some of the yeah. screenshots, yeah. Uh, some of the concept art, uh, and the ma- basic mapping. So it's obvious to me, anyway, that when they were making the original Batman Arkham Asylum, they had already either started on or certainly had it uh, in pre-concept. Rocksteady was like a jar of ideas just waiting to burst out. And with Arkham Asylum, they only showed us half the jar and they probably had a bazillion ideas for Batman but just couldn't throw it all in right I have a feeling with Arkham City they're going to go this is what we wanted Batman well that too I mean, I'm, really I'm sure when they were I'm sure when they were making it they knew they had something on their hands and they apparently knew they didn't up, so. apparently I, I spoke to somebody that knows these guys and apparently they knew they had a, a decent game but they didn't think it would sell as well as it did they had no clue that this thing would be a contender for Game of the Year kind of thing. In my opinion, last year, if Call of Duty wouldn't have come out, Modern Warfare 2, Batman would have taken Game of the Year. Well, I mean, you think about it. There's so many previous really bad Batman oh, yeah. games out there. That well, just superhero games in general. I you mean, could look, co- at, you look could, at Iron Man. It was terrible. You could create the perfect game, but before you release it, you're going to think it's it could be absolute crap. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. So they did a good thing, for sure. Oh, yeah. I think that Batman game, Adam, I think, from reading your review a few times, is that this is probably the best superhero game ever. They nailed everything. They, they got the yeah. voice actors, the darkness of Batman, the, the, the insanity with all these different characters. It, it's there. It's, I played it and I was like, this is awesome. I was honestly so excited when they actually said that Hamill was going to play Joker again. Because he said that in the first game that was going to be his last time. But now he's doing it one more time. So that's fantastic. Awesome. Let's really consider for a moment. Is it possible we could get Rocksteady? looking into or moving forward with 
perhaps a Superman game. Green Lantern's coming out. We've got uh, uh, Green Hornet. Uh, we could see an Iron Man game from this group. I mean, the possibilities are endless, and certainly they've had their failings in the past. Not Rocksteady. These other games. What do you guys think? Uh, it's hard it's to absolutely say. possible. When you have a game like that under your belt, it, it's probably pretty easy to start negotiations of trying to get IP and stuff like that. That's right. I'm sure DC loves them a whole bunch right now. So oh, indeed. <laughs> you know, and Warner Brothers, those two there that own the whole thing. Uh, I think they're just going to... I have a feeling after um, Arkham City that they're going to probably be a movie-slash-game thing. Because Arkham Asylum didn't have a movie release at the same time. You know, all these companies simultaneously release crap, like Sega and Iron Man 2 or whatever, which turns out to be crap-crap and more crap. So I can certainly see your point, and I think it, there could be something there. But I think what really drew the opportunity for the original Batman Arkham Asylum was the fact that there wasn't a movie. You were actually you were able to enjoy that uh, for the first time. You weren't just reliving another adventure. I think Activision's doing the same thing with the Spider-Man series with Shattered Dimensions. They're not putting it out with a damn movie. They're just making a game for what it is and Spider-Man IP or whatever. Same thing with Batman. They're just making a game. Well, uh, let's uh, let's start wrapping them, this up, but uh, of course we can't wrap it up without hearing about Medal of Honor. Adam, what can you tell us? Uh, it was at PAX. I uh, I purposely avoided it only because I'm going to see it in a couple weeks, so I didn't want to spoil anything. Um, from what they showed, it was multiplayer and it looked pretty good. Um, but you know, I'll have some more hands-on time soon and give you some more info then. Now, Stephen, you were saying there's a there's an a little bit of controversy being uh, brewed behind this. Uh, maybe fill us in on that. Basically, uh, according to One Up, Medal of Honor has been banned from Army and U.S. Uh, Air Force-based stores in the U.S. Uh, basically, you have the ability to play a Taliban, and uh, just because of that, they ban them from the store. So, uh, as the- personally, that's a crock of crap, but. Uh, Right, some of the best games out there, the ability to play the bad guy just extends the gameplay. Certainly it isn't... I just, think it's, uh, I just think it's stupid because the history in games or whatever... When you look at World War II, for example, uh, most games like Medal of Honor, the original series, all based on World War II and killing Japanese and Germans and all that, Nazi Germans, whatever. Since this is only maybe a few years off the mark, Oh, Taliban is only two, three years old. Piece of history. They get all freaked out, and they think everybody's going to want to run around and be a Taliban or something, and which is totally absurd. But it's so stupid. Like I had this conversation with people coming back from the Call of Duty event, and I said, "What? What's up with that piece of news? Like, what's the big deal here? You guys tend to forget your history <laughs> awfully quick, you know." Unfortunately, it just comes down to how soon is too soon. That's right. And obviously, for whoever's in charge that want to make the decision, this is too <laughs> soon. Sell this thing, yeah. Obviously. Right. I, I think you hit the nail right on the head there, Adam. Uh, that's that's definitely going to be it. Uh, your thoughts on it, Adam? I mean, is it is would it keep you from buying the game? Me personally, no, because I can I distinguish that a game is a game. Right. 
to me is just a different skin on it's on make believe <laughs> right it's, it it has no bearing on what i'm going to actually think of the whole issue anything like that because i can tell that it's a game obviously other people don't feel that way so it's <laughs> very well said i don't know it's, what it's, it's, it's its own issue uh, I mean, you can go into whole censorship in games issue from there, and I mean, it's it, it's a slippery slope, and obviously, someone's very vocal about it. So, what do you think, Ken? You know what? Honestly, I think the opportunity to play the other side is a good one. I mean, um, I don't know if anybody recalls a, a while back, Clint Eastwood released a, a couple of movies. Uh, to be honest, I forget the title, and I'm sorry for that. But he, the first movie portrayed the American side uh, during the Second World War, and the second movie portrayed the Japanese perspective. And I'll be honest, I mean, I by the end of the movie, I didn't know who to root for. Of course, I knew the outcome, but to see that other side was very interesting. By no stretch of the imagination do I agree with what's going on in the Middle East, but kind of put it into perspective a little bit more uh, would be appreciated by a lot of people um, again I think it's just a little bit too soon yep but there's always two sides to every story and again you're right I think it's just too soon but I think uh, I think EA just tried to get this IP too it was too fresh in the minds of everybody in the world and I think yeah, that's right but I don't think I don't think gamers care honestly well, we've uh, we've certainly got a couple of uh, busy weeks ahead of us. There's a lot on our plates and a, a lot of titles coming out very soon. Uh, what is the release date on this? Um, what is this other title? This Halo Reach or something out there? <laughs> that was for you, Adam. What's do, you, the... do you want, like, the seconds to the release date? or <laughs> Go <with that>. Come on. <laughs> no, it was, it was there at PAX. It, it was good. They were showing off uh, multiplayer and everything. Uh, it was sitting right beside uh, Gears and Fable, so you had all your Microsoft stuff in one in one little place. It was. It was I love the cool jetpacks in that game. <laughs> the jetpacks are awesome. Yeah, that's going to be a blast. Uh, Ken and I played it over at X10. That was awesome. It was it was fun. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, guys, uh, I'm sure we're going to see you back here in a couple of weeks and uh, fill us in with all kinds of more good news. Uh, in the meantime. Uh, definitely keep playing we'll see you on the forums i am ken lafrenier alex 1138 and i am adam variation and i like cheese cam chef peace out all right guys we'll see you soon have fun